Hello and welcome to the How Might We Sessions podcast. My name is Patrick Scally, your host as always. Now on today's episode, I have Mike Mayer. He's the founder of PT Pods. PT Pods launched their first space here in Hackneywick only a couple of months ago. PT Pods delivers private health and fitness space, which you can book through a simple app mechanism. Health and fitness is an incredibly important thing, I think, to so many people's lives and should be a part of all of our lives, if possible, in some way, shape or form. I thought it'd be really important to get Mike on the podcast to talk about how important health and fitness A is to creative and cultural professionals and citizens writ large and talk about some of the issues surrounding the health and fitness industry, some of the biases and stereotypes which probably create suboptimal outcomes in our society and, and don't incentivize people to access the health and fitness opportunities that are around them. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the How Might We Sessions podcast with Mike Mayer from PT Pods. So actually you're probably the most unique person in terms of your current practice and your background and the company you've set up uh, in terms of guests we've had on the, the podcast so far. Um, you've recently set up a company in Hackneywick and Fish Island, or you've launched a company, I should say, yeah, in Hackneywick and Fish Island. Um, but if anyone doesn't know about yourself and your company, PT Pods, um, what do we need to know? Uh, so PT Pods, basically... Um, we started in November last year doing a, a sort of soft launch uh, and we launched in February. So there's an app. You can find your closest pod in the app and then pods are mini gyms, mini modular gyms that you can access through the app. There's classes to follow. Um, and yeah, you gain access through your app and then you lock up the end. Nice. And yeah, that's kind of it. What's the genesis? How did it? How did the idea come to you? Actually, during lockdown, as many good ideas do, um, if we're calling it a good idea. Uh, it's definitely a good idea. <laughs> um, so I was training my partner and her friend in the back garden. I made a small little gym, just like a concrete square. And I was training them and I said, you know, why why did you never go to the gym? Or, you know, why why did you not have a PT or anything like that? And they both said quite clearly, we don't like being watched by guys. And um, we don't really know what we're doing in the sort of the weights section of the gym. And it got me thinking because, you know, I've grown up going to the gym, you know, rugby background and, and whatever else. So I just thought, wow, it seems like people need a safe space where they can train um, and also be shown how to train, you know, because everyone should be, you know, doing some resistance training. And, and it's, I don't mean to upset anyone, but you go to the gym, all the girls are on the treadmills, all the guys are shifting lead and it's it's getting more mixed, but it should be like, you know, fifty fifty split, I would say. So Yeah, and it's interesting. I um I would say I actually lived uh, for a long time with, with two girls and um they had similar views about Really? Yeah. And it was quite interesting. It was quite eye opening for me to A be a gym goer and have uh, no worries about yeah, that yeah, yeah, as a as yeah. a man. And then to hear them quite concretely tell me all the things that make them uncomfortable about going yeah. into those spaces um, Intimidating. really eye-opening yeah yeah and it, it seems quite pervasive right yeah yeah i was pretty shocked to be honest you know mm. i just thought you know why are you not going it's it didn't even cross my mind it was intimidating and it's it was like the curtain was lifted and i was like oh yeah yeah, yeah you need you need a bit of help here and so how do you, in terms of designing a space like yours, which is, a, as you say, it's a private bookable space, which can be, it's currently in the, uh, what would you call it, the, the yard of Heres. Yeah. Um, yep. And it could be theoretically placed almost anywhere, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And people book it, use it, leave. Um, but the name PT Pods, as you say, sort of infers this idea of kind of private training but a, a new version a new modality of that right yeah exactly i mean uh, people get a bit confused by the name we we want to sort of emphasize that the pod is your personal trainer you know um it's almost the future is going to be like 
a robo PT, you know, you can sign up to classes, um, training programs, you know, you want to work on your squat, you know, there'll be a squat program and, you know, this is what we see in the future, almost like the, the Netflix of exercise content all within the pod. So you can just book, find a class that you like, favorite the classes that you like and turn up to a safe space. No one watching you, you know, there's a privacy switch, play your own music, um, all that good stuff and, you know, train in comfort. Yeah. And, and in many ways, uh, uh, you know, the gym's quite, there's quite a lot of health and fitness offerings in, in urban mm. areas, right? But private is very expensive, very unattainable for, I would say, probably the majority of people that go to the gym. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, the things that I've seen online are, are quite expensive and I'm not trying to bag PTs. You know, they are very, very useful, very powerful tools for people who don't know how to train, but they are expensive, you know, and if you're wanting to train, you know, you need to be training th three times a week. Um, to be paying a PT three times a week would be expensive, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've never actually personally, I mean, my, my journey with health as a young man, I was sport at school mm. was everything to me. I'm, I would much rather be playing for Tottenham than doing anything else. Yeah. Didn't quite work out. Um, but I, as a as I started becoming a creative professional, um I actually completely lost my path in, in terms of looking after my health and my fitness. It was surplus to requirements, yeah, it yeah, felt. Yeah. And that's that sort of urban drive mm. thing and the lifestyle choice of, you know, it's, it's it's not a sedentary lifestyle, but in the sense that I was doing a lot, but I wasn't doing anything specific for my health and my fitness. Yeah. And that was something that maybe over the past five years has really become really centrally important to me yeah, and I've yeah. seen the benefits of it incredibly but I've never taken a step to do uh, a, a PT class but mm. I certainly would say I owe a debt to YouTube yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah for exactly. better or worse right exactly but yeah. that's what and, and what you're saying there is in the sense that people can book but also play the content that they use at home but have the benefit of all the equipment that you've purchased that exactly it's very expensive and it's not like, something you could have in your back garden or what have you exactly it's like there was this massive sort of, during lockdown, you know, people were doing home workouts. They knew they had to exercise. And we feel that a lot of people still maintain doing that home workouts. But this is like, you know, you can't have a, a kitchen full of dumbbells and kettlebells because you're just going to break toes, you know. So it's like a uh, sort of step up from that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice. And what's your, in terms of your personal kind of journey with fitness, how did you, what, you, you talked about the, maybe the, the issue or the thing you're trying to fix in the space, which is around, I guess, making inclusive, safe spaces for people to train. What's, what's your journey been to get to that point? Are you someone who's been all really proactively into health and fitness or? Yeah, like all through my life, I've been interested in, you know, I've gone through everything from like, you know, CrossFit, running, just gym training, rugby training, trying to bench heavy stuff, trying to squat lots, just doing body weight calisthenics, um, you know, hits all, all through a journey through everything. So I do have quite a good background, you know, none of it was my job, but I've, I've been right. through um, a lot. And what I've realized is, and fairly recently, you don't need to do as much as the industry makes you think you know, all this like crazy, like, um, CrossFit type stuff and hit sessions and, you know, go five, six times a week. And that's if you want to be like in crazy, crazy shape. But in general, if you go three times a week and lift some, some weights, um, and walk a lot, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. You know? Your longevity and yeah, things yeah. like that. And it's something that I think, uh, I don't know if you experience it, but that, that, difference in my energy level from doing these things oh yeah my clarity and, and i mean we'll probably touch on mental health and things but i certainly think the thing that i was maybe missing then as a as a musician and doing shows and being in the studio was that outlet that wasn't the the work mm. it's incredibly hard to balance those things when you're trying to make a living out of something yeah, yeah. um so i don't um I don't maybe punish my former self for not doing it but I really wish I was doing it more then because I realise how much better I feel now. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I think a lot of people don't maybe think about that mental health element or I think even the social element. Yeah. Being part of something like a third space that isn't yeah, work yeah. or home. 
but then I guess in the way that you know the space that you've created is is kind of a sits uh, beside that in a way, doesn't yeah. it? But then it could create a digital community as well. So. Yeah, but then think about this: you had a sports background, you trained, you know, PE in school, you were into it, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. The people who used to not go to PE or phone in sick, you know, sick letter, they've never really been into it, and they need to and. Mm -hmm. Looking at the gym culture, you know, online, you look on YouTube and you're just like, I'm never going to get into that. Right. So they need like, all you need to do is sign into the app. You know, I'm not just pushing PT pods, but in no. general, like, you know, they need an easy way to learn how to do some basic exercise you know, yeah. without everyone watching them. Well, in terms of the idea around this podcast, we tried to frame the whole conversation around how might we question or challenge. Um, for this episode, based on your uh, PT pods and your experience, we decided to uh, explore how might we design new modalities to improve the health of urban citizens. Now, when I think when I think about this issue, and I imagine you've thought a lot about it as you designed your potential customers, you know, the challenge is, that I see in terms of, you know, an urban populace where more than likely you're working incredibly long hours, you're traveling a lot for work, you have a lot of commitments on your time. Time is an incredible resource. So fitting in physical activity is extremely difficult. And so the issue that people can often face is it's just something that I don't have mm. time for. But in terms of the issue of of urban health and citizens and fitness where do you see the biggest challenges and opportunities in that space i think and if my partner ever listens to this she's gonna start laughing because i've been listening to a lot on the subject and one thing that keeps sticking out to me is we're still animals you know we're still that cave person from like ten thousand years ago you know and we've not evolved into the city life you know this life that we're in right now and i was thinking yesterday i remember being in uh, i went to edinburgh zoo as a kid everyone used to laugh at this polar bear because it was mental right it was just going back and forth and like it lost its mind and that's because it was taken out of its habitat and put in this concrete space you know but we're exactly the same you know we're these animals that are now in this concrete jungle everyone you know has got a mental health problem most people have anxiety of some sort and i think if we just look back the way rather than like how can we solve this with like a drug or you know some app or really it's like go back to basics you know go look back the way how can we be a cave person you know or the animals that we are mm. and the first thing that really changed me in lockdown, because I, from the, at this point in lockdown, I was still, you know, doing hit every day, like three or four times a day, smashing it. And my mum and dad used to say, oh, we're getting our steps in. And I used to laugh at them. And I'd be like, I'd get my calories in, you know, during um, my training. And then I started walking and it changed everything. Like my mental health, I lost weight, you know, I lost body fat and, that goes back to being a caveman, you know, like how can you fit walking into your daily routine, you know? Yeah. And, you know, how can we implement that? I mean, we count steps, don't we? We count, not necessarily everyone, but your app counts your steps for you. Surely if the, I'm going to go off on one here now, but go on, please. surely if the government, you know, wants us all to lose weight and, and be fit and healthy because... I looked at a stat, 63% of the UK is overweight or obese. And if we just walked, or we could get 20% of them to walk for an hour a day, you know, the, the pressure on the NHS is going to come down. It's all going to be good for everyone. So, like, I don't know. But yeah. Bills are high just now. We could, <clears throat> if you do 10,000 steps a week, you get, I, I don't know, money off something. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lever somewhere. Yeah. No, but I think you make a good point, and I think it's looking at the the problem from the, the I guess, the negative externality of mm. people being unhealthy and the strain that puts on the NHS is 
is a worthy point. And I mean, a data point on that from, from Public Health England is that it costs 1.2 billion per year uh, to the National Health Service to deal with people who have physical inactivity right. issue. Um, which, you know, I, again, you think if you could redirect a, even a tenth of that money, that yeah. would be extremely important. But And that's not, of course, talking through the whole problem. And it's something that I think is interesting when we think about this location next to an Olympic Park and mm. Victoria Park. So incredible, big, expansive green spaces, which if you've spent any time around them, you'll certainly see a lot of people exercising. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know about your read on it, but I don't see... Um, maybe as diverse uh, a set of people participating in those activities as yeah. as you as you would like to see and as necessary, I guess. Yeah. And I actually had someone, I, I can't remember what it was, in an event that I went to maybe a handful of months ago and they talked about how they had a relative who fortunately had a house on a, in a row facing Victoria Park in London. So an incredibly nice wow. house. Um, uh, and they were saying how even they'd noticed that the demographic usage of the park had changed over decades okay and it's something that i guess you, you kind of wonder how these spaces as, as the area changes how they get used and what they're used for and i guess when you think about open green spaces is a place where i'm sure a lot of pts take clients mm. right to do things yeah but if they're taking a certain demographic all the time then i guess that kind of reinforces this idea that this is this what this space is for this yeah yeah, yeah yeah right and then i wonder whether the even the idea of the sort of gamification of, of fitness i think you know when you think about how that affects people you mm. know constantly seeing uh, Strava goals yeah, yeah, yeah. met yeah. or whatever it might be and rewards for doing those things. Those things are incredibly useful as like a behavioral tool. But yeah. of course it does also mean that they might only be doing it for that reason yeah. rather than the deeper reason which you're talking about, which is quite primal. Yeah, generally yeah, yeah. like a natural instinct to move and lift things and do things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's interesting to think about it from that perspective of sort of a historic like a like a root thing, yeah. a human thing. And I think, like you're saying, the, the people that are going to these parks to train, it's, it's all the people who have done it. You know they, know, they know fitness is important. We've got them. You know, they get right. it. It's, it's the people who don't do it. You know, that's how we need to capture them. And, yeah, sure. And it, that's going to be difficult, you know. And when we think about the effect that the, the sort of people, I mean, it affects so many people, almost all in, in many forms. Thinking about urban places. Mm. We certainly have a proliferation of housing, flats, mixed-use developments with commercial on the ground floor in here in London and globally. Um, and that creates a lot of public realm, a lot of third space, mm. which sometimes has kind of, you know, those those kind of uh, fiddly little gyms that, you know, in parks. Yeah. Uh, or uh, a play space, etc. Probably not that expansive and that interesting. Um, how do you see, in terms of if we're thinking about new modalities, and of course by nature of the company you've set up, mm. how do you see creating these private spaces for people to access as a way to, you know, use those spaces for for good? Yeah. Um, yeah, those little, um, I know the ones you mean, like you can sit on them and sort of move your body weight. This is like body weight, right? Yeah. Yeah, people do use them. But again, I think it comes back to this. People who use them are people who are already conscious of it. Right. And yes, there's a space there, but that's quite still intimidating if you don't know what it is. Mm. You know, like you and me are looking at it like, well, that's clearly to do like body weight pull-ups or whatever. Whereas people could be walking past that going, what, what is that? <laughs> what even is this? Yeah. Yeah. And, but do you think then in, in terms of as you're designing a company, you know, in a company formation where you've, you've created this space, you're also plugging into the internet of content creation, which, mm. again, if we're talking about the creative and cultural industries, like YouTube content creation is a booming industry, yeah. right? But then how do you, as a, you know, guardrails on the best kind of content, you know, you talked about, uh, we've talked about Fit, who are also in Hackney with yeah. Fish Island, who create really great content, but yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of people on YouTube who have no qualification, no experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. How do you... How do you yeah? How do you balance all those things? When you, is something better than nothing, or is that too much of a risk? Does there need to be better guardrails for how fitness content or uh, is distributed in in a way? Yeah, I think <laughs> if you can use the caveman theory as a bit of a guide, like would my ancestors have been doing that? And mm. if you're online and it's some like I don't know crazy like um, CrossFit style thing, they probably wouldn't. Yeah, true. 
if it's like walking, you know, lifting stuff, yes, as a cave person, you're going to have to be lifting stuff and moving things around and building huts. And um, yeah, so I guess it's tough. It's tough mm. because there's so much content out there and there's so much people who are just trying to get the likes and get the downloads and whatever else. And they tell you, you need to be doing this to get better abs. And like, it's not really, it's not really that true. But do you think in the sense that if you think about the issue from the economic perspective, you, you just touched on earlier. And um, I mean, my experience, I, I went from um, home workouts, which cost nothing than an internet connection, mm. um, essentially, I guess. Yeah. Um, to a better gym, which for anyone who doesn't know those, I guess that's a, sort of what would you even class that as is that sort of like the bottom of the market kind of yes, community yeah. style mm. usually sort of council sort of have yeah i don't know if they have a cheap any, and cheerful cheap and cheerful council promoted that kind of thing um to a more kind of boutique smaller gym with more specialist equipment as i wanted to get different things yeah and now i've actually gone back to a what i guess like a blood and gut style yeah, gym yeah. with pictures of dorian yates and yeah, yeah, uh, jay yeah. cutler and that and the, on the walls and all the equipment's really outdated but the one thing that threads that of course is the is the cost element and, mm. and that cost for me so when i went to that blood and guts gym it's yeah. you know you can pay almost nothing like relatively s small amounts right yeah. that boutique gym was nearly triple the price yeah so how do we you know you talk there about the benefits of just simply walking I yeah. mean, that's enough right that's free yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. an activity. But how do you see, say, something like the, the 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 product you've created in terms of that economic picture? How do you see what you're doing as trying to meet a demand that's not being met? And and what do your what does that service provide that maybe others can't uh, that's already out there? Yeah, that's a tough one because it depends on how much price you put on your health, you know. And like, wow, that's a hell of a question, eh? Yeah, and if you have no experience, um you do need some guidance because going from nothing to what you need, um, you, you need some teaching. You can't, you know, you can't just make it up as you go. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I'm going to push PT pods here, but you know, that's a good avenue. If you're not sure what to do, you can just turn up and follow a class and you know, our, cl our classes are good. We're going to be having more content from other providers who we obviously vet um, before they come in and that is guaranteed to be a good use of your time. Yeah. Um, as for the, the content on YouTube, yeah, that's a minefield. It's a minefield. But I think doing something now, and I'm going to think about this. I was going to say doing something is better than nothing, but there's some stuff out there that's, you know, potentially dangerous for you. So yeah, you need to watch. Yeah. Um, I definitely would put that disclaimer. I think it's right to do it. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend of mine who, who I grew up with, one of my oldest friends who works with athletes in golf um, okay. and strength and conditioning. And he was, um, as I started watching more, every now and then I would sort of send him something and say, yeah, yeah. what do you think of this? And so much of it, he would go, I mean, I kind of get what they're doing, but yeah. I, I would just put like an asterisk next to it and yeah, say it's yeah, not yeah. sort of science-based or I don't yeah. know what the terminology might be. But again, it's, yeah, I, I would maybe, as a layperson, say something's better than nothing. Yeah. But as you say, in the, the risk of hurting yourself yeah. or doing some real damage, you need to be careful. And I guess spaces like yours can hopefully create a more controlled experience yeah. and a safer experience for people um, as you vet that content and create specific content for specific groups. Yeah. But do you, do you think in terms of the, I'd like to touch on the kind of community aspect, if you think about the cultural element of, of health and fitness, mm. designing new ways for people to engage. Because you've seen like running clubs and yeah, um, like obviously, of course, Peloton was, you know, created a virtual community for a, a product which isn't uh, based in a studio. Of course, it's a, you would have it in a private um, home gym or something like that. Yeah. I've actually used one in a gym and seen kind of interaction happen through it. Okay. I did feel that sense of, oh, this is quite nice. Someone yeah, yeah. around the world's doing it. They give me a high five emoji. I high five them back. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is nice. Um, but then, uh, you know, one of the things that I maybe didn't anticipate when I started going to these places, uh, gyms writ large, 
was the sort of friendships I would create mm. and the social element to it. Um, where again, it wasn't the home, it wasn't work. Yeah. I actually created bonds and friendships that have gone way past the gym. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which I think is in terms of breaking that barrier down between people who aren't doing it, that can be the great thing that keeps people coming back, right? Mm. So how can you how can you create a community in a space which is private? How do you see that working? Yeah, very true. Um, we did look at, and we are looking at that sort of do joint classes, you know, live classes at the same time. It's all all good stuff. Um, I think the community also comes behind the maybe the social media, you know, connecting people who are, you know. There's almost a movement there of people who are neglected in the gym space. You know, they don't want to go to these, you know, very exposed um, gyms where, you know, they maybe don't want to go and talk to people and they do want to have a bit of privacy and, you know, they can maybe talk about it on the, their experiences on, on Instagram or, you know, social media or um, the community, that side of things, rather than community while you're exercising yeah it's a good point and i think to steel man the other side that would be if we're thinking trying to design empathically and, and not from an egotistic perspective that would be the thing whereby almost certainly every woman i know like my partner goes to gym she doesn't have any friends at the gym yeah yeah, yeah. and and again like as you say if, if a lot of people go to gym and feel uncomfortably looked at or yeah, yeah, experience yeah. things in a, in a you know it shouldn't mean that we have separate gyms no you know, but it's just that if you are feeling unsure about taking a step into those kind of potentially quite intimidating spaces and it's just about getting people to look after their body more yeah have better fitness outcomes then these are modalities which ultimately allow people to have that first yeah. step and it might mean that they eventually go exactly and sign up to another it's, gym exactly. and then use your your product also yeah exactly it's not one or the other they can be both and you know even myself who i used to go to the gym and I didn't like it either. It was not because I wasn't confident in what I was doing or I was worried about guys looking at me. It was, you know, waiting for equipment, sharing equipment. Like, you know, maybe I was doing some CrossFit sort of jumping around stuff and maybe it did feel a bit uncomfortable, you know, and like, you know, sometimes you do just need your own space and yeah. you need to make sure everyone in the community is thought about, you know, it's... And if we think, just, and meeting yeah. those kind of demands of an urban life, as you say, you've, you've structured it so it's, I think, four, 45 minutes or so yeah. a class. Again, it's, it's, it's lean. It's lean. It is lean. Um, and I, I mean, even a, I think it's one in four adults don't um, do less than the sort of 30 minutes of uh, recommended physical activity in a week. Yeah. Which again is, you know, as you say, you don't have to go six times a week and, no. and be this... Uh, object <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's just about once or twice or three times yeah and taking some time for yourself and your your health and that yeah. can go an incredibly long way yeah. so have you noticed in terms of how, how has the usership been since you've launched has it been has it's it been surprised a good, you it's been um a little bit there's been quite a lot of personal trainers using it to train their clients which is good um <clears throat> we aimed it at you know you know, people who feel uncomfortable in the gym. Um, there's been a lot of female and male use following the classes, which is good. Um, and then some some people using it just as a gym, um, which is also fine, you know. it's It's been quite a sort of split between the three. Mm. Um, but we're still, you know, gathering data. And do you think that's something to do with how, say, fitness is marketed and, and the I mean, I think about, say, like, um, I went to the gym uh, shark store oh, yeah. in Oxford Street, which is incredible as an experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't, I'm not an avid follower of their content. I'm aware of how big they've got. Yeah. yeah. Almost can't avoid it in, yeah. in, if you're any, in any way interfacing with this space, it seems. Um, but there is a real feeling in that store around people going in and feeling something about this brand mm. and going in somewhere which is on Oxford Street, but they also have a gym a yeah. juice bar, private space to lift and product, wow. which isn't really great. But again, like I'm someone who is active in this space. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I go in and feel comfortable. Yeah. But if I'm someone who's never trained before, that would just further compound my feeling. Yeah, of like, oh yeah. my God, this is not something that I can get with. What even is that? What is it? Yeah. All that lifting gear and juice bar. What? 
Yeah, I just I you know I'm just trying to do something. Yeah, you know, and I guess that's I'm just thinking about the the framing of how fitness and health has become this sort of it's even products like protein drinks etc. Mm. How they get connected with optimization and being a high flying optimal output yeah, yeah, CEO yeah. because I don't consume food I consume a, a, a drink a complete meal drink because I don't have the time yeah and that's supposed to be something that is fixing a problem yeah I don't have enough time that's great and I, I you know um what would you say disclaimer I, I drink those drinks yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't I just wonder why those things are starting to always kind of be fixing something that fundamentally is actually a, a thing that shouldn't be fixed and should be addressed more directly it's something yeah. that you shouldn't you shouldn't shy away from the facts yeah, that yeah. you maybe don't have the time or you feel uncomfortable in these spaces like there's other ways to look at the problem mm. do you think that's correct or absolutely yeah yeah so caveman here we go again um what would they have eaten loads of different stuff mm. lots of different stuff not um quick processed snacks you know that we think are good for us, but actually they're terrible. They're marketed as fat-free, but they're full of sugar. You yeah. know, the one thing that we should be doing is like educating kids, you know, to understand this because most people grow up and they don't really understand food, you know. Mm. Um, I'm not saying I even do. I've been on a big journey with it myself. Um, and there's just so much information out there now talking about how, you know, how, can we swear on this? How um, yeah, effed we are with um, processed food and, yeah, caveman. Caveman. That's a good, I think that's a good overall anchor for the conversation. Yeah. And as I think about it, from my experience as a creative and cultural professional previously and now working on a programme which supports the ecosystem here in, in Hackneywick and Fish Island, I think there's there's definitely a role to be played with great, say, design Mm. Um, products, etc., which can try to, you know, the, the, the squeaky cog gets the grease, etc. And I think this is one which, again, as we've talked about some of those data points, it's not, not a uh, on the margin case. This is something that is acutely felt, right? Yeah. And, and we certainly saw it during COVID. I, and I think that's it's right to point out that, of course, that was a respiratory disease. That's a, you know, it's, it's a black swan event, kind of yeah. left tail risk. It's not. We don't anticipate we're going to have loads of those. Fingers bloody crossed. Yeah. Touch wood. Um, but of course, lots of people were more affected by that by nature of poor yeah, yeah. Um, fitness and health. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a you know a panacea that you were a great lifter or a runner that no. you didn't get COVID. But again, it just kind of confirms these things that we're not, again, like maybe we try to solve the health and fitness issue by consuming complete meal drinks yeah. or following a diet or doing an exercise program which hasn't been vetted or, yeah. you know, all of these things. It just feels like there's a lot of easy ways to... That's it. We're yeah. looking for the easy way out, aren't we? Convenience, mm. and that's why we drink these drinks and um, have these microwave meals. Or <laughs> you know, it's we. None of us have any time. Mm. You know, it's not like we don't all have vegetable patches and growing our own veg. And although that would be great if the you know community could have its own garden and make its own food, and um, I think there is a lot of that happening in 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 Hackney actually. Yeah. But um, you like what you see there. Yeah, like there's something there, isn't there? Like if the government could, or I don't know, maybe private companies, but make garden space where they could grow food and there was a little kitchen, right? And they would grow the food, cook food for people in the community. And maybe it's like a subscription, you know, like £20 a month and you get, you know, a couple of meals a week or something just to, I don't know, help you sort of understand food a bit better. And yeah. Well, I get, you think about behavioural economics, say the, the the nudge framework and the mm. how they did the auto-enrollment in pensions and that, of course, yeah. helped loads of people's, um, the fact that they, they didn't choose it and they had to choose and opt out and that made loads of people just fundamentally sign up to it more and increased right. the amount of um, pension contributions people were doing, which, of course extremely beneficial and for you in later life i wonder about things like that in terms of behavioral change for things like health mm. and fitness feels like like i don't I, you know with physical education you say in school a lot of people try their very hardest to not do it 
yeah. which is, you know, it's their prerogative. They don't like to do those things. Yeah. But I don't really remember ever being taught about health in terms of my no. eating at school or no. or even what the benefits of me doing these physical activities were. Yeah. And it was lucky, my personal luck, that I liked those things. But yeah. say like my brother, who was five years older than me, hated all that stuff. Okay. And he struggled with his weight all his life. And again, you just wonder those behavioral things, like what are the... What are the little things yeah, that what, we can do? What changed between you and your brother? And, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. It's, I think it's, yeah, and again, I think it's, he, you know, he struggled with mental health issues okay. all his life. Um, he passed away many years ago, and I think it's something Jeez. that, in terms of his health, was something that was very difficult for him to manage. Okay. And I wonder whether or not, in terms of that, in terms of him making good decisions in his life, yeah. Um, whether that in any way fed into it. He's not someone I don't think ever went to a gym or, or did any, any exercise in any meaningful way. Yeah. Um, played the old game of tennis and basketball, bless him. But yeah. I, just, I just wonder in terms of, you know, creating better habits in an urban environment. Yeah. As you say, like if a lot of people are going to be moving into these densely populated urban areas, families, etc., not all of them are going to be fortunate to be next to an Olympic Park and Victoria yeah. Park, right? So if you've got to travel out of the way, to go to see any green space and you're in quite a concrete environment again running at night in london very yeah. risky for if you're say if you're a woman if yeah, you, yeah you can certainly feel vulnerable in a lot of places but that's the thing that we need to be able to have yeah. more readily available right and a space like yours or other forms like that can at least say a peloton etc like at least it means you've got some some safety and you're doing something which there's a low barrier to entry yeah i think that's it but it's hard because as you say those green spaces are are much cheaper to manage mm. in many ways and they're open and available but again it's 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 how they're used and what they're used for yeah can sometimes be not there can be an asymmetry there between what we're trying to talk about and maybe what some other people promote yeah and i guess okay the green space is there but you know what what are you meant to do there yeah. if you don't know yeah you don't know anything like it's just a park to people mm. um i don't know like you mentioned before, running clubs, you know, like just a walking club, you know, like <laughs> just 6.30 every day, there's someone leaves from your park and goes on a 45 minute walk. You know, every day, the same person, a guide. You can join in if you want to, if not, you know, or you can go into another another guided walk somewhere. And um, I think that would benefit a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And if we think about the kind of, again, you talked about the customer that you were designing for maybe mm. in that sort of empathy map and we think about you know we talked about how maybe some people see it as too expensive or too exclusive maybe in terms mm. of what they see and in, in, in the marketing and also i guess it's many things to do with sort of norms and values and, and when you grow up right yeah if you're in a family unit which has someone i don't know who's done athletics or um regularly does these things then they yeah. naturally point you in that direction yeah if you don't have those influences and someone great in the neighborhood badu sports do mm. great stuff to try and get more young people into learning principles to live a good life through physical activity yeah Brilliant. Which for me i mean in terms of i think maybe that some of the best characteristics when i lost my way were things that i learned when i did sports yeah in terms of determination and yeah, patience yeah. and things like that and it's important. Do, you, do you think about that as you're creating a company in this space? Do you, do you feel the weight of some of those things as you realise that that's what people might be, you know, the, the, you think about the mental health benefits alone. Of yeah. Taking some time out in a personal space they get, which wasn't there before you set it up. Yeah. That's quite a meaningful thing you've done there. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't want to fall into that. You know, I'm quite passionate about c capturing, you know, this demographic that maybe isn't, comfortable in this sort of space and it's quite difficult to market your product when it's an exercise space you know and mm. um and to have it not just you know curvy guys and girls doing weights you know that will attract attention you know so we've not really started our marketing campaign and you know we are maybe going to start with more uh, a targeted campaign to our demographic you know right like the people who didn't join in in PE, you know, like <laughs> people who are, you know, overweight or, um, you know, transgender, you know, 
guys and girls who just don't fit in, you know, in like the the classic sort of gym space. And mm. so, yeah, I'm excited to start that. And that's if we're talking about trying to affect an area of the urban citizenry that aren't benefiting from those things, that's your audience, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and people who don't have the knowledge because there's some people who are maybe naturally fit but they don't have the knowledge of what to do and um, hopefully our aim is to provide a space for everyone. You know? Yeah, and, and certainly uh, as my experience of my network and my friends over the years in terms of the what they feel um, in and of themselves, whenever they've become unstuck maybe by self-esteem issues or confidence issues, etc., um, body image is incredibly mm. deep into that. Um, and it's something that oftentimes when people make active steps, and it's not, I don't want to um, enforce a, 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 a what I think is a, a poor stereotype of by doing that, you're going to become this men's, women's yeah. health magazine cover. That's not the goal. Yeah. It's just the, the, the pure feeling of the chemical rush yeah, that you yeah. get of the release of the fact that you might feel tense, you might feel uncomfortable and, by doing these activities, you, you do grow through it. Yeah, yeah. And your your image of yourself can improve. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to, but it just means that this is a chance to do it in a space which, you know, it isn't, you know, it's not, it's not something, it can be just for you. Yeah. You know, yeah so yeah. much of life, I guess, is is that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's all this sort of Absolutely. idle tree of those objects and the, those people and those models that we follow. Yeah. Um, and we look for inspiration from, but you can create that in yourself by taking a proactive step and saying, you know, and yeah. if we think about it from the culture and creative industries, all these creators and founders, you know, have spent doing 12, 13 hour days, you know, th those are the people, again, that need to be part of this conversation to say, you know, you just need to carve out 30 minutes in there yeah. and think about the benefits to your business by the clarity of mind that you yeah, have, yeah. you know. It's crazy. And it's crazy when you're in that place and you're like, I, I, there's no way I have time for that. I remember when my, I was suffering with a bit of, you know, as everyone was during lockdown, some mental health stuff. And I probably had loads of time and someone was like, just meditate for like 15 minutes a day. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't have time to sit and do that. And like, because I'd gone through the, you know, improvement through physical activity, I thought, well, this is like exercise my brain. When I put it like that, I started doing it and built it up and built it up. And it was like crazy the benefits that I felt from that. Mm. But I knew what exercise did for me, so I knew that this might work. But if you've never exercised, you don't know how good it is. You know, like you said, you know, you exercised, then you got creative, and then you didn't have time to exercise, and you got to a place where you're like, oh, I don't feel as good as I used to, so you know I need to start exercising. And you knew how to get back to that. Um, but if you've never done that, how do you know how good it is, you know, so... Yeah, it's difficult to to explain that to someone, you know, because it's a feeling. It's not like you just show them uh, something in a, a marketing image and say, this is how you're going to feel. It's like, it is a feeling, so it's hard to describe. Yeah, and it's I guess it's a feeling that, I don't know what your sense of it is and in, in, in how maybe this modality of, 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 of a fitness health space, which you, is just private, bookable by you, etc., can solve that issue of the, I guess, the boom and bust of people joining gyms maybe mm. at the start of the year and having these fitness goals and yeah. losing their way, mm. which, I mean, I remember always saying that and the, to, to talking to people in the various gyms I go to and just go, where did everyone go? Yeah. And they would go, oh God, if we could show you the numbers of people really, that, you know, cancel their membership after maybe three months or something yeah, yeah. and then come just back. Before summer. Yeah, come back, <laughs> come back after the summer, I'll correct the wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Which again, I guess it loops back to this point of, you know, something is better than nothing. Yeah. But maybe the fact that it is kind of your space uh, uh, and the way you've you've done it and, and say like a park, you know, going for that walk, it's it, it can be your place and it's it's not something whereby you're, you know, being monitored and tracked and your performance. And I guess that's something, I don't know if you have a feeling of that in terms of, say we talked about gamification, mm. Peloton or other fitness products which rank people. Um, do, do you see that as a, as a positive thing in the industry or do you think that's something that actually net net has a, has a, has a, has a bad effect on, on uptake in fitness and health? Yeah, I think it can certainly both have a place because everyone's different and there's people who are so competitive and they might not be that into fitness, but if you can dangle a carrot and say, well, your dad's done 
10,000 steps today. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to smash that. I've got to beat my dad. Yeah. And then I've seen people get the, the whole steps thing really got, I used to work offshore and oh, interesting. on, off, on uh, vessels and boats. There's quite a lot of overweight people or unfit. And, you know, there was this whole counting steps thing and they'd be out in the, the heli deck walking around, getting their steps and trying to beat people, you know, in their group. And so I, I think it can be good, but it's probably for the people who are already into fitness. Right. And the, the people that we're talking about to try and capture the newbies. Yeah. Maybe they need to sort of, uh, like I say, There's everyone's different. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. And it could be a character dangle for some people, but it could put some people off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in many ways that if the simple thing is, you know, you download something on your phone and you do some walking and, mm. and that's again, the, the, the start of something Yeah, and it ranks you. And, and, you know, again, might not be the thing you lean into. You're not going to be the, the best walker ever or something. But again, it's that, it feels that, that connection that I feel like I got, I would have got in a, in a physical space in a gym. Yeah. You know, and, and having pals that maybe come over and say, yeah, I've just done this. And you go, God, you've just done that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's something where you go, maybe I'm, one day I could do that. Yeah, yeah. And trust me, you'll get there. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And I, I think maybe in life, it's something where we, we, we often have that myopic thing of sort of short term goals, mm. um, sort of not being as concrete as these really far out objectives that we have of where we're going to be. Yeah. And something about health and fitness is that is there's a quick feedback there. Yeah, you, you know, you feel better, you can do more and you can actually make strides quite quickly. Mm. Usually. Yeah, yeah. You know, say if you're, if you're obese or you've never done anything and, and all of a sudden, you know, you, after a year you can run a 5k. Yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible feat. Yeah. And you'll feel a lot of pride and happiness and all those kind of things. And it doesn't matter that someone can do that tomorrow and not blink yeah. because you're not comparing yourself to those people. Yeah. But maybe it's enough to help you just start that journey. Right? Yeah. I think that's the, that's the root of it. But what do you think in terms of being in this place, like with all these, you know, Hackney Week is known for its kind of creative and cultural community. Why mm. was, is that in any way important to you setting up here? Like why here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I could have, I went through from the bottom, I started, you know, trying to find, I'm not going to name locations, but <laughs> I was looking for a location, you know, and I never thought a place like here East Hackney Wick would, you know, and this was the ideal location. Right. And then, you know, luckily I spoke to, to here East just, sent an email, I was like, Hail Mary, let's see. <laughs> and they were like, love it, love the concept. And I realized I've been going about things the wrong way. And actually, we do have a great concept and I do need to aim high rather than starting like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I thought at one point about putting this in my front garden and oh, being wow. like, you know, <laughs> like, roll up, roll up. Yeah, like crazy stuff. I like but, that though. It could well, be fun. Yeah, it wouldn't have been fun for my neighbors. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure someone in like planning from your local no, council would have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was um, it was like all those people that built, uh, you know, offices in their back garden and sheds. Yeah, my, like, my house property is good. The value is going to go up, and they go, yeah, you know, you get like a special tax because you did that on your thing. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so don't publicize it too much. Yeah, yeah. Like, Damn, that's the only reason I did it. Yeah, exactly. If it didn't happen on Instagram, did it even happen? Yeah. I actually saw someone had that on a, we just had the London Marathon, didn't we? Oh, yeah. And uh, I actually saw like a clip and there were, I think someone had like a vest that said like, if if it if it's not on Strava, did it even happen? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That felt yeah. quite... Um... Yeah, but some people will love that and some people will be like, oh, if you, you know, like... Yeah, kind of feels a little bit... <laughs> But I do wonder in terms of the, the sort of creative and cultural industries and, you know, if you think about the content world, I think has a really good run, like augmented reality, et cetera. There's a lot of create tech, et cetera, that can feed into the health and fitness space in a really interesting way. Mm. And, you know, that drives the zeitgeist and popular yeah, yeah. Um, opinion and, and young people's attitudes towards things. And I think by having more healthy images of role models yes. rather than the you know, drugged out, burnt out rock star. It's someone who is actually healthy. And yeah. Actually and and cool. relatable, yeah. you know, like it's not like the rock or something, you know, like he's, don't get me wrong, he's amazing, but like someone that you can sort of think, oh, maybe I can do this, you know. Mm. I think a lot of the, you know, the fit guys, the, oh yeah, yeah. all their sort of athletes and stuff are all quite relatable and, 
you know, they're so, um, yeah, so so good at what they do. Mm. They've got a lot of stuff coming out, like wearables and all that stuff. They right. love love all that stuff. Um, I do think it's powerful, but mm. like we say, for the right the right person, you know. Yeah, yeah. So if we think about the the you know the challenges that we talked a lot about challenges and solutions, um, and of course you fundamentally have tried to create a solution in this space, which yeah. we're fortunate to have it birthed here in Hackney Wick, and it's exciting to see how it'll um, develop over the years. But in terms of you know if you could have asks to fix this problem, whether it's to government, other founders, um, fitness influencers, whatever it might be, what are the kind of things that you think could be done to help improve the fitness and health of urban citizens. You talked about walking, et cetera. They're simple things, complex things. Yeah. Um, in the sense that what could MySpace do to, to help it? Or well, yeah, yes, and also others. I mean, it doesn't have to just be yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen, but <laughs> if they could stop, there's a lot of overcomplication, you know, because actually you need to just be doing the basics. If you ask any PT who's in great shape, they're probably doing the same thing they've been doing for the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, true. But that doesn't sell, you know, it doesn't get likes, it doesn't get the whatever, so it doesn't get the YouTube followers, you know, so um, maybe maybe someone needs to just keep it simple and, and, and let everyone know that. But simples, you know, can be boring, you know, and so there's a lot to be said for some of these classes, like the... Um, follow along classes, you know, like the, the fit stuff or like the, some of our classes, it's just like, you know, you start and then before you know it, it's finished and you're like, oh, so I've, I've done it. And then that's, um, that's enough. Yeah. And I guess it's, we, we have the, the, the responsibility as we talked about of the, the I guess government's position to look at negative externalities or public goods. And I wonder whether how we frame health and fitness as a public good. You know, we talked there about the kind of equipment that are in parks or how parks are marketed for those kind of activities or this cardiovascular fitness, etc. But I do think there are, you know, whether it's exploring those behavioural change incentives to try to get people to, you know, see activities and services like yours as, as ways to get yeah. into something that they haven't before. Because yeah. there are, I'm sure there are lots of people that you look at, your peers, et cetera, that are doing stuff in wearables and other things that you go, you know, this is the kind of stuff that people need to be seeing more of instead of a insert high class, uh, like boutique gym. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because I think that's maybe the image that, I think it's that sort of advertising marketing thing where all that people see is that idol, hero worship, yeah, like yeah. perfect form. Yeah, yeah which doesn't really usually exist. No. It's not what it's about. No. But it's how the, the product and the market has been sold for so many years that it's so hard to unpick that yeah. training, right? And I guess there's a lot of money. To, people are making a lot of money in it, you know. And they are. It's difficult to start with the basics. And, you know, unfortunately, there's not an easy fix. You, you need, it takes time and it takes effort and it takes, like, being consistent for you know x amount of months to see a change and that's what people don't say in their videos what they say is do this for two weeks and you're going to be in great shape mm -hmm. and people are like oh that sounds i could do that and really they need to understand the basics and know that this is going to take it's going to take time but if you just you know cut it down to what you need to do in one session isn't actually loads and loads and loads but if you just do that consistently for the next three four months you're going to notice massive changes you know yeah, and it's even you know you think about cycling routes that get made and and mm. an ability to place to be more walkable etc and you know even linking it back to what you do you know how are those routes etc linked to other facilities which promote that kind of activity yeah. right and yeah. i think not to always turn it into something where there's got to be consumption in it because of course if you drive out to a forest and walk around a forest all power to you and it's an amazing thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just wonder whether or not all of the sort of private market activity and companies which are doing things in this space are as well promoted inside these things, whether we talk about low traffic neighbourhoods or mm. cycling routes and walking routes and are they all really as well connected as they could be yeah. to try to incentivise people to take that 
maybe that next step or something that keeps them coming back. Because, mm. um, I mean, a, a walk on your own can be incredibly powerful, don't get me wrong. and I benefit a lot from those. Yeah. But again, I, I, I just wonder whether or not I would have come across your product if I wasn't in the space. Yeah. And and why, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and can we do more things to, to root people to, to those to, things? Yeah, to ch- sort of funnel people into into fitness. That's tough. That's tough. And it's getting the right sort of people to, to influence that, you know, and mm. and to let you know that it's not as difficult as it's made to sound. And do you think, in terms of a maybe more complicated um, resolution to this issue, in terms of companies, I don't know if you've had it yet, B2B or, or early conversations, but thinking about companies, of course, larger companies offer gym memberships or reductions, right? Or they might mm. even have a gym on site if they're a really big company. Yeah. Um, but incentivizing businesses to offer those things to their employees as yeah. a, you know, and I think even like grouping those things together, I think actually yeah. speaking to Ben Cole at Loughborough University and I, I'll have to, you know, edit or put it in the notes about who he mentioned because uh, I can't remember their name now, but okay. it was about a, trying to have a, it was like a social entrepreneur who was grouping all the benefits that corporations offer to their staff into something which actually could be offered to everyone in a neighborhood okay. because they have yeah. access to these really big contracts and, you know, it's that scale economy fed down. Yeah. And I wonder, say, like a service like yours means that they can go, well, oh, because, you know, if, again, back to the fundamental point of we're saying, if these spaces feel difficult for people to enter, mm. it doesn't matter if you give it to me for 80% off, I'm still automatically yeah. Yeah. got my backup. So how can we incentivize people to, you know, take, go to see a PT or use a pod like yours or, yeah. you know, there's other forms in businesses where there is an opportunity to take some of the economic weight off people yeah. to try to help them improve their health and their, yeah. their fitness. I think it needs to be from a sort of government level. And remember during COVID, everyone was clapping for the NHS, right? Which, you know, did nothing really. But to take the weight off the NHS, you know, that might be an incentive for people to go and start walking, you know? And if, I, I mean, I'm going off here, but maybe if, you know, we can see that if people start walking um, for the NHS, then that reduces the, the pressure on the NHS and that money that we saved, the two billion or whatever it was you said, that could be fed into incentivizing people. I don't know, imagine you got money off your electric bill just now, if you just walked an hour a day. I'd be walking an hour a day, <laughs> for sure. Um, we've got so much you know, technology on the go just now with apps. Surely there's an app where you could count your steps and then that gets fed back into, or you get 20 quid off your electric bill or something like that. Boom. That's a call out. Let's do it. Man. <laughs> if that gets birth from this, then um, that's, a he- that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a, but this, that's the point of this is, is to say maybe to spark whoever listens to this to go, you know, maybe mm. they don't completely agree with that idea, yeah. but they go, there's something in these ideas of uh, attaching to various, you know, the interoperability between these two things and saying, yeah. what knowledge are we gaining from products like yourself, which could inform policymakers to say, well, actually, this demographic of people really does like this product. Yeah. And and, and maybe we need to have some money into reinforcing what's going on here because, yeah. you know, we didn't realise that no matter what we did, people felt those spaces weren't inclusive mm. and we can't really fix that. In a, in a short window, there's just no way. Behavioural change takes a long time. Yeah, but there is something in the, in creating new spaces and new forms of space for people to, yeah, to better their lives through their health and their their well being. And I say that as as I say as a creative professional, certainly I wish I'd done more. And then now, just as a a citizen of an urban environment, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, thank you, man. I mean, so in terms of people can go out there and, and download PT Pods. I yeah. If they search on select app store. Yeah. But where can people find the product? Where can people find and keep connected with you? So we have our website, so ptpods.co.uk. You can find information on there, locations, uh, download links to app stores of various types, um, pricing and and all that stuff. Um, Our pods, we've got our first two in here east in Hackney Wick. They're hidden away. Uh, But if you download the app, it has a location uh, of the gym on it 
and as we get more pods dotted around Hackney, they will appear in the app. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram and I think we've got a TikTok. I don't oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not my thing, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, <laughs> That's startup land right there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. happening probably. I'm just across a lot of things right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that the Instagram is PT underscore pods. Okay. didn't get the PT pods one. But. Wow. You have to buy that off. Yeah, someone. Well, we'll put all the links in the show notes for people Amazing. to access. And thank you. thank you for making the time. I really no, appreciate thank it. Thank you. It's been, it's been good. Thanks, man. <laughs>